When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert Podcast. With you, as always, I am your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. And we're back with you once again to continue our series looking at one basketball player and one football game uh, heading into next season. Today, we're going to talk about Mason Gillis, as well as the second football game of the year, which is going to be against the Virginia Tech Hokies, which, Ryan, I know uh, you wanted to talk about this, so let's just do it right off the jump. We'll, We'll save it. Uh, the rest of the football talk for the second half, but what is a Hokie? So, I actually worked with someone who went to Virginia Tech. Okay. So, this is coming from what I got from him. From what I understand, a Hokie is the king of the turkeys. He's like the head turkey. Hold on. Like like a queen bee kind of situation? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, it's a real thing? This is not something that this person has made up and told you? Unless she's gaslighting me. Um, Yeah. Does does this come with any special, like, turkey powers? I sure hope so. Um, I mean, that's just what I have. It's basically, like, your biggest turkey, um, and it's, like, your king turkey. (laughs) Only Virginia. Yeah, the... The internet tells me there's no actual definition for a Hokie, uh, and that basically Virginia Tech just completely made it up. Um, so maybe this was like a backfilled definition, 
He'd be like, hey, this word sounds fun. Oh, it's like a king turkey. This is oh. this is according to Hokiesports.com, which is the official Virginia Tech website. Um, okay. When asked if Hokie had any special meaning, uh, the students – so, okay, this is ridiculous. Okay, here here's the full definition. I'm going to read it to you from the Virginia Tech website. They have a whole section on what's a Hokie. The answer leads all the way back to 1896 when Virginia Agricultural and Mechanical College changed its name to Virginia Polytechnical Institute. With the name change came the necessity for writing a new cheer and a contest for such a purpose was held by the student body. Senior O.M. Stoll won first prize for his hokey yell, Old Hokey Cheer Below, which is still used today. Later, when asked if hokey had any special meaning, Stoll explained the word was solely the product of his imagination and was used only as an attention-getter for his yell. It soon became a nickname for all tech teams and for those people loyal to tech athletics. All right. <laughs> the official definition of Hokey is, quote, a loyal Virginia Tech fan. <laughs> and the Hokey bird is apparently evolved from a turkey. Virginia Maybe Tech's, that's where it's come from. Virginia Tech's teams were once called, and I'm not making this up, the Gobblers. Fantastic. So there you go. Uh, I honestly had no idea. And it always did seem weird to me that, like, their mascot is a turkey. And I was like, what does that have to do with anything? Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, I lived in Virginia for about 15 months. And I don't know that I ever saw a turkey. So, uh, granted, I lived in northern Virginia. So I'm not sure the, the people in Virginia Tech would claim me. Um, but... I didn't see many turkeys roaming around Northern Virginia. Yeah, turkeys aren't really something you find every day. No, no. So one mystery solved. So we'll get to Virginia Tech actual football in the second half. Um, But today we're going to continue in the first half um, our homework series looking at the basketball players who are returning for next season. Um, As we said last episode, we're kind of going from oldest to youngest. Um, So we're going to stick with um, players who've been in the program quite a a while. Um, And if you listened to our last episode, you know we did Zach Eady. And also mentioned that today we're going to be doing Mason Gillis. Um, Mm -hmm. So Mason Gillis, of course, kind of a mainstay of... Uh, Purdue's lineup at this point um, only started 15 games this past season after starting 25 and 23 the previous two years Um, still averaged roughly the same number of minutes Um, he averaged 23 his sophomore year and then 20 this uh, his junior year so not exactly a huge drop off in minutes even though he did uh, start fewer games the the biggest thing that stands out when you look at Mason Gillis's numbers last year versus uh, two years ago is his drop in both um, free throw percentage and three-point shooting percentage. Um, The three-point shooting percentage, you remember his sophomore year, it really kind of jumped up. Um, It was over 40%. He ended up with 41% on the year. Um, And it was one of those throughout the whole season he was talked about as a guy who had um, you know, over 60% from two, over 40% from three, and at one point I believe he was even 90% from the free throw line. Um, so he, he looked great shooting the ball uh, two years ago. Last year his two-point percentage um, actually increased to 66%, but his three-point percentage, um, his attempts increased, but his percentage fell to 35%, which is uh, which matches his freshman year. 
and his free throw shooting percentage went down from 85 to 79%. So not a huge drop there, but it is noticeable. Um, so those are those are the big numbers um, that stick out for Mason Gillis. His, his points stayed roughly the same. Um, his turnovers went up slightly, but nothing too dramatic. And the rest of things, I mean, rebounds went down by one, but overall... Um, not too much of a drastic change in much of Gase, Mason Gillis's numbers. So, um, Ryan, anything stand out to you just from a statistical perspective? Not really statistical. I mean, you laid it out. His shooting is down a bit, but um, statistically not really. But for Mason Gillis, it almost seemed like a confidence thing. Uh, confidence in what aspect? Yeah, so shooting the ball, it just seemed like Mason Gillis was hesitant at times to take an outside three, and um, it was all except one game, of course, where he just torched right. the entire floor. Right. Outside of that game, Mason Gillis just looked very hesitant to take a three and just seemed off from long-range shooting. Yeah, and I think that was kind of a a similar thing you saw in almost everybody um, on this Purdue squad this year, there was just such hesitancy um, to shoot the ball from deep, and I don't know why. I don't know if it was just there was so much focus on getting the ball inside. I don't know exactly what the change was, but you could clearly see it, especially as the season progressed, of the team just getting tighter and tighter and tighter, um, mm-hmm. with no real explanation for it. Um, Except for, of course, as you said, that game against Penn State when Mason Gillis hit 9 of 12 threes, um, you know, for an astounding 75% from three, you know, off of 12 attempts is just out of this world. Um, You know, one of the best performances we've ever seen from three-point range. Yeah, and that game had a quarter of his threes on the entire season. Yeah, that's, uh, that is, that's wild. Or no, it looks like about, yeah, a quarter, you're right, oh my gosh. That's, Uh uh, yeah. He, he made 37 on the year, and he had nine that game, so just shy of 25%. So, obviously, you'd like him to be able to take more threes with confidence because in the the tournament game, he was one for seven from yeah. three. So, not – I mean, he took them. So, mind you, I – you know, say la vie for that, but – you'd like him to make some more than just one of seven. Yeah. That's obviously asking an incredible amount, but um, it's just, it's so inconsistent with him shooting the ball. I mean, there was a stretch. He went 0 for 8 over a five-game stretch and just hit nothing. So, from from three, I should say. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the good thing about Mason Gillis is he always gets minutes just because he plays incredibly hard. He is that guy who will take a charge, he will find a loose ball, and he will then put it in the basket. You love that aspect of his game. It's just you'd like him to be consistently well-rounded. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mason Gillis, to your point, is definitely one of those guys who always seems to find himself in the right place, around the basket at the right time. Uh, gets a lot of, I guess you would call them garbage buckets or easy putbacks, but um, mm-hmm. you know they're only easy because he finds himself in that position through his effort and his hard work and kind of his knowledge of the game, You know, knowing where the ball is going to bounce um, based on the shot. So he is great at that. One of the things that I think you know Mason Gills can definitely work on 
um, in in the off season is kind of cutting down on just absent minded turnovers. Um, mm-hmm. His his turnovers increased um, this season, and especially if you look at the per forty minutes, um, he went from one point three his sophomore year to one point nine, which you think okay that's not that much. But that's one every one additional turnover just about every two games. Um, so you space that out, and that can really make a difference, especially when you're playing so many close games, especially in Big Ten play. And uh, I love Mason Gillis. I'm a big fan of Mason Gillis. But uh, oftentimes when you see him make turnovers, it just seems like he, he's just not truly locked in in that moment. Um, the mm-hmm. ones that really stick out to me were were two years ago in the um, Sweet 16 when we lost, um, when we were playing in Philadelphia um, to that St. Peter's. It's just unbelievable. But, um, I mean, he had a couple where he just, like, dove on a guy who had the ball and got called for uh, – a uh, that was a dumb foul, not a turnover. But, um, I mean, it was just as good as a turnover. So I think for Mason Gillis, it's understanding that fine line between putting in all-out effort – and playing smart um, because sometimes mm-hmm. you can let your your you know your desire to make every single play get every single loose ball cause you to make mistakes and I think that's a trap that he falls into. Yeah, I I think you hit it on the head there. Um, it's very difficult to thread that needle sometimes, and something that I would also say for Mason Gillis is. Sometimes the personal fouls can rack up and sort of uh, mess with his minutes. Yeah. Because you see it time and time again where Mason Gillis is only playing 15 to 20 minutes, and it's because he might have picked up two quick fouls, and then Matt Painter has to go elsewhere. And that that disruption in your rhythm can really hurt as well, from shooting the ball to just... Uh, being out there and doing all the correct things so when you have when you don't make those fouls it can be better just to stay in the game and continue doing what you're doing yeah yeah and i mean his fouls have gone down each year um Mm -hmm. from 2.3 to 1.9 to 1.7 but he really does seem to get in kind of spurts where he just gets into foul trouble early or as i said with the st peter's game makes some kind of boneheaded plays that turn into fouls Mm -hmm. and it's just you really need a guy like him on the floor luckily purdue has a lot of talent um at his position um but we would you know you want to keep your your starters um out on the court because you know they've earned that spot for a reason and and painter trusts them so do we think um, that next year Gillis is going to get his starting spot uh, back for the majority of the year? Do you think someone else is going to take it? What do we think um, for a starting spot for Gillis next year? I, I think it's difficult. Um, it's just there's so much talent down there for Purdue right now. Um, obviously, we have the five. So filling in that four spot, you really have three different guys who are going to come in and fight for that spot. And I think so. I think because Matt Painter likes to go with his older group, usually up until last year when he started two freshmen. But right, yeah, uh, that, that I think that was an thing. exception for sure. 
Right. So I I I would like to think so. Um, just because Matt Painter trusts older players who obviously Mason has been here for three years. He knows the system. He's been here for four years, counting his uh, redshirt year. Right. So, right. So definitely knows the system, and I think he can and will get that starting spot back. And um, for what it's worth, the game where he popped off for 29, he had zero personal fouls. There you go. So... If Mason doesn't foul, he's going to shoot well. That's that's my prediction for this season. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that is certainly true. Um, you look at kind of how his career has gone. Um, after his redshirt year, he did, you know, as I said, he came into a starting role that first year, actually started 23 of 28 games, then 25 mm-hmm. of 33 games, and then this most recent year, he's only started 15 of 32. So the good thing about that is... Um, he didn't seem to be bothered by it. He didn't seem um, to, you know, to pout or anything like that. Just, right. you know, he wants to go out there and be the best teammate he can be, be the best player he can be. And I think that says a lot about who he is as a player and what it allows Matt Painter to do because there are certain players who do better starting. There are certain players who who can, you know, come off the bench and actually perform a little bit better um, you just never know uh, what type of player you've got um, until you try it. And and Matt Painter seems to really trust Mason Gillis either to be a starter or to come off the bench. And I think that is a versatility that um, can really, uh, really help this team. For sure. And not only the versatility, he's a very good team player. I yeah. mean, he seems to mesh very well with his teammates. So that's always really nice when you have an older guy who can show the younger guys the ropes, who doesn't care too much about his role to where he's just helping advance the team. You love to see that. And Mason Gillis, he puts in the effort that you want every single player to do, and then some. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think I've got one more thing um, that I'm curious to get your opinion on about Mason Mm -hmm. Gillis. Uh, So as we said, he redshirted his first year. He's now played three years in the program, meaning uh, this this next season is going to be uh, his redshirt senior year, which would, you know, typically be his last year. However, Mason Gillis was here during uh, the COVID-19 season. Therefore, the NCAA allows him to come back for one more year and in essence have a free year to remain in college and and play and continue on with Purdue or elsewhere, um, in theory. So, do we think Mason Gillis could come back for uh, a fifth year of playing and then a basically a sixth year at Purdue? I definitely think it's possible. Um, he definitely seems like one of those guys that would stay, do an extra year, and then almost go into the coaching tree. He seems like um, that seems like a very uh, smooth path for him to. Uh, uh, approach. That being said, it's just there's going to be a lot of congestion with the with the bigs for Purdue going forward. So I don't know. He would have to, I would think, take on a smaller role, um, especially if these high end recruits that Matt Painter is bringing in um, sort of go the way he expects to where they take up more of the pl- minutes. Um, so it's definitely possible. Um, 
I would say most likely I would put him as coming back an extra year, especially if this one goes even similar to what he's been doing. And, of course, depending on how the team, uh, the season results, it's kind of a, all right, this is my last chance to really help the team do something for the following year. So it it really it depends. That's the lawyerly answer. I was about to say but... that's it's like you went to law school. That's that's the answer mm-hmm. you can always give. It depends. Um, so, I mean, to me, I think of anybody who could come back and use their COVID year. I think he would be the most likely, but I still don't see it as as very likely to happen because of a point you brought up. There will be so many additional players coming in, such a log jam. And as much as we all love Mason Gillis, I wonder if that logjam, you know, needs a player like Mason Gillis to move on after next year in order for the guys to develop properly and to be able to truly grow as a program. Um, it's such a strange thing to say that you, you don't want a guy sticking around. But, I mean, unless he can truly understand that he would be in like a absolutely veteran-focused role or, you know, he's got to believe – I'm the best player that they have and they need me and then figure out maybe he can come in and continue to play 25 minutes a game. But is that something that Matt Painter and staff want? I don't know. Um, A lot of it would depend on how he plays this year and how the people in the position behind him who are a little bit younger play um, because then, you know, you do have to continue to think about not only the present but the future of your program and what's going to be best for both. It's it's a different, it's a difficult balancing act for Matt Painter and the coaching staff. Absolutely. But I, I do like your idea of of him eventually transitioning into uh, a coaching role or the coaching staff. You know, we've seen it with PJ Thompson and Sasha Tafanovich now this coming year, um, and I could definitely see Mason Gillis um, being somebody who might be interested in that. I, I've not seen anything that says. Um, that has seen him say specifically that's what he wants to do, but he's definitely got the right kind of attitude and personality I think you want in uh, a younger coach. And honestly, the last three coaches outside of P.J. Thompson that have come uh, from Purdue are really those like, or including P.J. Thompson, really those high-effort type guys. I mean, you saw Sasha do it, uh, Grady Eifert is doing it, those kind of guys are just the kind of guys who go into coaching and excel. That if you teach your effort and fundamentals, that's the kind of coaches that get results. Yeah, I mean, Drew Anthrop is another example of that. Yep. Um, no longer um, with the uh, Lakers. I believe he's now with the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he's in the NBA, and he's been there for quite a few years and apparently seems to be doing well. So um, he's another guy who... Um, not the most incredibly talented basketball player, but certainly high effort, high knowledge player, and that can really translate into success in the coaching ranks. For sure. Yeah, so uh, there we go. Um, I, I guess one one final thing. Um, what, <laughs> I'm all over the place. Uh, Mason Gillis on defense, what do we think he needs to improve other than uh, to kind of go along with a little more mental focus at times, or does that just encompass everything? Yeah, I think that kind of encompasses everything. Maybe, so sometimes on the screen and roll, it can be a little bit more difficult for him actually chasing down an outside shooter. Um, Seems to be 
the sort of weakness. Obviously, when someone cuts in and goes inside, Mason is fine. He'll either, um, you know, scrap for a loose ball that comes down low, or he'll draw a charge or something of that nature. But sort of his closing out on jump shooters can be a little bit, uh, leaves a little bit to be desired, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, I think you nailed it. I think we'll leave it there. Um, so there we go. Going to take a break, come back, and talk about Purdue's second game of the season. This one against the Virginia Tech Hokies. We'll be right back. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And we are back. So, as promised, going to take a look at Purdue's, Purdue football's second game of the season. Following the home game at Fresno State, Purdue heads on the road. Uh, they go to Virginia Tech to take on the Hokies. Uh, and as we've established, a Hokie is just a nonsense word, but has turned into a type of turkey. So uh, this one will be in Blacksburg, Virginia. It's going to be on ESPN2 on uh, September 9th. Um, I don't believe we have a time for this one yet. Oh, no, we do. Um, this is a noon kickoff. Or mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so we got a noon kickoff on this one. Um, so Virginia Tech last year, uh, not not their most successful year, uh, yeah. finished the season 3-8, and eight, one in six in conference play. Uh, mm-hmm. Overall, just just not a great season for them. Ryan, how many pages of notes do you have on Virginia Tech? Uh, two as well. All right, I love it. Okay. Although part of me part, was it all just questions is... about what Hokey is? Well, no, no, not <laughs> a single reference to a Hokey. Okay, actually. okay. 
Um, but part of me could probably fill up an entire page with how awesome their intro is. I just love when they do Enter Sandman. Oh, yeah, that that is good. That is good. So, um, yeah, as you stated, they went 3-8. and eight. They lost their, home, or their opening game to Old Dominion. I, I honestly didn't even know Old Dominion had a football team. That they do. I yep. thought may, I so, thought maybe they were just basketball only. Uh, nope, they are football, and they beat Virginia Tech. So, given it was at Old Dominion, for what it's worth, very weird that um, they started the season on the road. You don't see that a lot um, for big Power mm-hmm. Five teams. Yeah, it is a home and home. They get to play Old Dominion at home this year. Ah, so it's a, now they got a revenge game against Old Dominion. Yes, so <laughs> we'll see if that takes all their effort before they welcome Purdue at home. Right. So, um, yeah, there are three wins. Boston College, Wofford, who is a not an FBS team. I was I, Again, and, Wofford, Wofford, another team I didn't even know had a football program. Obviously, I knew they had a basketball program because they beat Purdue uh, in basketball probably a, a dozen or so years ago. I know them Woffords, but uh, third win against Liberty. So not too highly ranked on the games there. Yeah, and and all three of their wins were in the state of Virginia. So uh, Boston College and Wofford at home, and then they beat Liberty at Liberty, which is, of course, in Lynchburg, Virginia. So uh, three wins in the state of Virginia, no wins outside of the state. So that's interesting little fact right there. I will give them a slight pass. They did not play their game against Virginia because of the uh, UVA shootings, but that game could have been a toss-up, so they could have gotten four wins. Okay. That's right. I, I remember that one being canceled, and yeah, the 3-8 the record threw me for a second, so um, that little bit of context does help. Mm-hmm. So their head coach... We should recognize the guy. It is Brent Pry. He was the Penn State defensive coordinator from 2016 to 2021. Okay. So I didn't recognize uh, the name. No, I I didn't, but I recognized the face when I saw it. Okay. So, um, so clearly the guy brought his defensive strategy over, but his offense did not do great last. So they had a transfer quarterback from Marshall in Grant Wells. He threw 196 for 332. That is 59%. That's not not a terrible percentage. Yeah. He threw nine touchdowns. Okay, that's not nine good. Nine interceptions. Ooh, very bad. Now, was he was he the quarterback the entire season, or did he come in part way? Nope, he was the quarterback the entire season. And All is 11 he, games. Is he still on the roster, or is he out the door? He is still on the roster. He gets to play his super senior season this okay. year. Okay. Okay. So look, I mean, already that's good. I like I like to see a quarterback with a one to one touchdown interception ratio. <laughs> yep. I will say he's sort of a dual threat quarterback. He had 111 rushes. So that's quite a few. Uh, right. Now, of course, college is weird where they count a sack as like a rush for yeah. a quarterback. So. He had 111 rushes for over 200 yards and six touchdowns. So he he can use his feet. It's possible. Um, however, 
one of their main transfers that Virginia Tech is come that they're bringing in this year is a quarterback who used to play for Baylor in Chiron Drones. So we'll see if that quarterback battle what that results in. Okay, so so we're not a hundred percent sure who the starter will be. Right. Okay. Um, the two running backs that they had last season, that the main two running backs that touched the ball, Jalen Holston and Keyshawn King. So they combined for about 165 rushes, 760 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Or I'm sorry, eight touchdowns. So not bad by committee. Both are gone, though. One entered the transfer portal. Uh, and Keyshawn King and Jalen Holston is just uses redshirt senior year. Okay. So they're going to be starting fresh at the running back position. So we'll see how that goes too. <laughs> so doesn't uh, uh, it doesn't sound too promising so far on offense for Virginia Tech, which obviously, as you said, was somewhere where they really struggled um, during the 2022 season. Right. Oh, it gets better. Well, depending on whose outlook you're at. Yeah, I'd say better for Purdue or better for Virginia Tech. Yeah, so I would think better better for Purdue in a sense just because their top two wide receivers and Caleb Smith and Dwayne Lofton are going to be um, out the door. So Caleb Smith transferred to Notre Dame. So we'll get to play him some way or another. Um, And then... Dwayne Lofton is also on the move. So between the two of them, they had 60 receptions for almost 900 yards and five touchdowns. Okay. So obviously the touchdown numbers you can't really take into effect considering they only had nine thrown on the season. (laughs) Right. But um, so they definitely have a lot of talent going out or a lot of their usage going out. But they have a trio of wide receivers coming in from some lower-end schools, Middle Tennessee State, Old Dominion, and Norfolk State. Um, so, And these are all pretty high prospects coming in that just went to smaller schools to start off. So they have talent coming in. It's just a matter of how well is this going to blend and can the quarterback throw them the ball? Right. Let's be and, honest. Yeah, and I mean, who even the quarterback is going to be? It's interesting that they got a wide receiver from Old Dominion who beat them last year. So now he's going to be on the other side um, against his old team when they play again this year. So that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, and he's like the shining star of the three wide receivers coming in, too. So... Um, I wonder what his stats were when they actually played. Well, you keep talking, oh. and I'll look that up. Okay, sounds good. Um, so as far as offense, like I said, they have a lot of talent going out, and they have a good amount coming in. Um, on defense, they are losing their top sack um, recorder in Taiwan Garbutt. He had six and a half of their sacks. No one else had more than two. Oh, wow. So this is just a trend for Purdue opponents, apparently. Their no leading kidding. sack guy is gone. And I love that. I love that for mm-hmm. us. Uh, their leading tackler is also gone in Dax Holifield. He had 82 tackles, two sacks, two fumble recoveries. Seems to be that senior linebacker that everyone goes to. He's gone. Um so 
it's a defense that did fairly well. They only allowed um, 25 points a game. So not awful, but not not outlandishly great. Right. Um, the problem is the offense didn't even put up 20 points a game. Yeah, they, they only, only averaged 19. 19 a game, which is, is not great. So I, I looked up uh, the Old Dominion Virginia Tech game from last year. Allie Jennings the third had five receptions for 122 yards, uh, no touchdowns. So average 24.4 per reception with a long of 38. So pretty good game for him. So now he's going to be on the other side um, of that game when the two play this year. Lovely. Okay. <laughs> so it's like the opposite of Kevin Durant. You go to the team that you beat. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you don't. You don't really see that a whole lot. But I mean, I guess college football. You're just trying to go to the the school that can give you the most exposure, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So, so kind of continuing with their defense, the defense didn't really do a lot of takeaways. They only had nine takeaways on the season. Four interceptions, five fumble recoveries. So, less than one a game. And where that's not ideal. No, but, no. That's and I mean. I, if I remember correctly, Fresno State didn't have a ton of takeaways either, so um, that'll be two teams in a row for Purdue, and I'll take that. Mm-hmm. They did, however, have three sacks per game. So where they excelled, I guess, was getting to the quarterback, just not taking the ball away from the quarterback. They must have had a lot of a lot of guys get sacks then, if you said, because they had a, a guy who had, what, six and a half, and then no one had else had more than two. So they must have yeah, had a lot had of guys a ton who of guys had two, two yeah. sacks. Yeah, there were like eight guys tied for uh, second on the team with two sacks. So it doesn't so. sound like a doesn't sound like a real dominant defensive line, but kind of a, a just quality all around, but no true star. Yeah, it's yeah, it definitely seems to be in that way. Um, one aspect that kind of hurt them a lot in games last season was their penalties. They had 81 penalties in 11 games. Oh, wow. So if you're averaging seven penalties a game, you know, they're not all going to be five-yard penalties. No, so. no, no. That'll that'll add up on you. Just ask Purdue last year. Mm-hmm. For sure. So that seems to be an issue that I'm not sure how you really fix that unless you it, – it's a coaching thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really a discipline thing. Um, so let's hope they continue to stay, uh, undisciplined this year. And a lot of times that comes down to the head coach. Um, I, we obviously, we have not seen Ryan Walters as a head coach, um, at all. So we don't know really how his teams handle that, but you know, he seems to run a pretty tight ship so far in the off season. Um, so I hope a lot of the kind of boneheaded penalties we saw under Jeff Brom don't carry over, um, into the Ryan Walters era. For sure. Um, I have, I don't have many more notes. I do have one that I know you're going to, you were asked last time. I have that. Ready. Okay. 346 passes, 388 rushes. Oh, okay. All right. So they're pretty balanced then. Right. That being said, I mean, how many of those passes were, or how many of those rushes were passes that were supposed to, that turned into rushes? Okay. Yeah. I see what you mean. Cause... Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really sound like they excel at anything 
in particular on either side of the ball. I mean, not a lot of turnovers generated, not a lot of touchdowns, not a lot of points. Um, didn't really have a breakout star at running back, wide receiver, or quarterback. So, mm-hmm. you know, they really earned that 3-8 and eight record, it sounds like. And right. as, as much as 2023 is, you know, different than 15 years ago where you can – you are more likely to be able to kind of remake a whole roster in the 2023 era than you were in the in the past. I think that's a that's a heavy lift um, to change up both the entire offense and entire defense in one offseason. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a large facelift. And I'll also point out they didn't really play the biggest opponents in the ACC last season. So they're best opponent that they played is probably at NC State, but they avoided, like, the likes of Clemson. Um, They avoided, uh, like, Florida State. I believe there's another heavy hitter in the ACC. Um, But they were in the not-so-great coastal division, so that even more in perspective of how... It, it was a mediocre season. There's no two ways to put it. Yeah, I mean, especially Virginia Tech, though. You know, they've they've not been as as big as they were, you know, in the 2000s and 90s. Um, but this is still a down year. I think this. I, I read this was their worst year, um, number of wins wise since like 93 or something to that effect. 92, mm-hmm. 92. Uh, their fewest fewest wins since a two win season in 1992. Yeah. Not great. So we'll see if they their head coach can turn it around. But that was his first season as head coach. I should also mention that. Right, right. So, yeah, so but. Uh, it, it they've got a lot of work uh, in front of them if they really want to turn it around. You know, it's hard to go from three to eight to being a bowl contender or anything similar. So they they've got it cut out for them. I think Purdue finds themselves in a good position because – you get a name named opponent. You know everybody respects Virginia Tech, even if they've had a bad few years and are coming off one of their worst years. So it'll look good if Purdue can go into Virginia Tech and pull out a victory, even though it might be a a weaker Virginia Tech than than you would think when this game was scheduled. You know, so many years ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, these football schedules are made so many years in advance. You really can just you can't say for sure. Um, what the team is going to be like when you play them. But get, getting a marquee name like Virginia Tech on your schedule, um, you'll take. And, and if you can get out of there with a victory, that'd be even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, any final thoughts on Virginia Tech? Anything we did not mention in the preview here? Um, Let me scan. Oh, uh, 9 of 12 kicking field goals. There you so go. So they didn't excel in that either. Yeah, I mean, and not that's 12 field goals is not a lot over an 11-game season. They they struggle bust a lot. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I feel more confident about this game um, after this conversation, I think, than I did going in, which is always good. But uh, I'm more of an optimist anyway. So I'm you, you're probably going to convince me by the end of this uh, this series we do, you're probably going to convince me that Purdue's going to go 12-0. and 0, So uh, <laughs> that'll change week one. But... Uh, I'm excited to see where we go as we head into the third week. But, um, Ryan, thanks so much for doing your homework. I'm glad um, 
we've got you here on the podcast to, to do the leg, mm-hmm. the, the heavy lifting for us. So um, we'll be back next week with yet another basketball player and the look at week three for Purdue football. So uh, that one is going to be against Syracuse, which is a revenge game. That one is at West Lafayette. Uh, Purdue, of course, coming off the loss last year in, you know, a crazy, crazy fashion. So Purdue will try to get a victory um, on that one. So for Ryan and myself, thanks so much for joining us. Everybody have a great 4th of July. Boiler up. Hammer down. <laughs>